Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 385 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd joining you on this Valentine's Day spectacular. Yes, love is in the air. No, that's just one of my hard root beers, Todd. I decided to break edge, like my favorite UFC fighter and or (laughs) talking dead uh, commentator. The streak continues. That's right. My streak is broken. We're starting back over. I'm going to have to trade in my uh, 45-day chip. Don't you hate when you break your resolutions? Oh, boy. That'd be a shame if someone broke their resolution about not specifically asking about something on this week's Longbox Heroes After Dark. Boy, would their face be red. As long as it's not your nose, that's all that matters. Right. You don't see many people these days with that alcoholic nose. My uncle had that. Right. Had it. Had it. Well, he passed away. Well... He had the, he had the, 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 like you could see it. And it's not a solid red. It's like a veiny red. It's Mm -hmm. not pretty. It's not pretty, but it's a good look. It is. I I just, I just have rosy cheeks, not a rosy nose. It's like an old, it's an old world look. It's like people don't look like that anymore. Like those sort of people just like don't exist. I forget where I saw it with somebody talking, like, with pictures. It's like people had a style of a look for, like, 10, 15 years. Right. Like, faces. And then you don't see those faces anymore. Right. That's a good kind of face that I liked. It was a face mm-hmm. of character. Right. I got, like, a 20s face. <laughs> That's why I always got to make stupid faces in pictures of me. I got to stick out my chin to try oh, to make my, old... my face look less fat. I learned that from you. Right, and then I gotta make some sort of dumb remark with my face, open my mouth, or like some sort of squinty-eyed thing, so you don't really you get to... a good feel for what I look like. And then you gotta do that stupid fist thing that you right. do. Just like whenever I walk uh, in or out of a uh, convenience store, mm-hmm. I always slouch or walk it out of my tiptoes so they can't identify me by height. Oh, it throws off the, 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 the description. Well... If I learned anything from the Punisher, most convenience stores are equipped with a gate notification monitor. Oh, well, I do like Hipster Joe hanging out with Hipster Punisher. <laughs> we went to our same diner and got our same black coffee mm-hmm, and listened to our true. Victrola. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I knew Victrola. He lived over in Westside. Yeah? Yeah. Over, not, not, not down the island? Not up the island for me. Oh, up the island. Hey, we're going to talk about comic books, folks. <laughs> we swear. We're going to talk about how comic book companies are now disseminating messages through posters. <laughs> Sony making quite possibly the most unlikely comic book movie deal in the history of movie deals. <laughs> and DC stealing yet another page out of my playbook. In regards to how to behave on social media. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just hope I get a cut of the money <laughs> that they're not going to make. That's not a veiled reference of anything. It just sounds that way. 
Uh, conventions this weekend. There's a big one that I want to talk about that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. A bunch of digital sales and freebies. Because obviously it's Valentine's Day. You do want to give the gift of digital comics. <laughs> That's right. Honey, no diamonds, digital comics. Diamond would be distributing distributing these if I bought them from a retailer. <laughs> Good one. That's about as close as you're getting, darling. <sighs> Oh, when we open up our competing retailer, they'll be called. It'll be called a Cubic Zirconia. Oh, that would be fantastic. No one steal that idea. <laughs> uh, we're also going to talk about what we read from this past week, uh, which was Rock Candy Mountain number eight, Swamp Thing Winter Special numero uno, and Batman number forty. And uh, what we're most looking forward to coming out this week: Todd's Art Attack. Uh, dip into the mailbag, and uh, we got a lot to choose from this week. Speaking of a lot to choose from, we have both the mid-season finale of The Flash and the return of Legends of Tomorrow. Is it really the mid-season finale of The Flash? Well, there wasn't an episode this week, right? Right, but then there's one after. I think we're just have a lull, because wasn't the gap that we just had the mid-season finale... Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe. You have me all confused. I don't know. Uh, they're off for two weeks. Right. For that that Valentine's Day like like lull in, in TV watching. Well, actually, it's probably because they don't want to compete with the Olympics. What? Yeah. The fastest man alive can't compete with the fastest snowboarder alive. Right. What's that kid's name? Sean White, the flying tomato. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know the flying tomato, yes. Right. So, uh, both Image and DC in upcoming weeks are going to be relaying information to retailers and to you, the comic book reading audience, through posters. Uh, DC is really going full bore uh, with their acquisition of Brian Michael Bendis. And they're going to be having a big poster campaign to advertise him taking over the Superman books this upcoming May. I'm sure with the May solicitations out by the end of next week, uh, we should know a lot more about that. But also Image, on the other hand, uh, with Robert Kirkman's new book, Oblivion Song, that's coming out. They were supposed to be doing like a gimmick with it where you get the collector's deluxe edition where you get the foil stamp variant, uh, you get an enamel pin, <laughs> you also get a statue and an art print that was limited to a thousand uh, uh, pieces, or two thousand pieces, but apparently they only have fifteen hundred of them ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the poster that's coming out to advertise this, they're including information about uh, essentially apologizing for them being behind. Uh, but they are saying that the book is going to be on schedule. The first 12 issues are done uh, so that you don't have to uh, be ready to go. And they also, even with issue one, they have the first trade ready to go. So that's an interesting way for re- for the companies to be disseminating this information to the retailers in poster form. 
Yeah, hey, it's, you know, anything to get you noticed, and that's important in this day and age. Right. Um, so, and I do like, I do miss a day that I got most of my information from posters. So, you know, and everything now is is online and stuff like that. But I do like, out of the two stories, I prefer the Brian Michael Bendis uh, Superman poster because it's not creepy at all. Well, and, I think that's a phony mock-up of what the poster might look like. What? I'm still focusing on Superman's sleeve cuffs, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so, um, oh, yeah, you and the cuffs. Mm-hmm. And not the Christian Slater movie, something right. else. Uh, but again, you know, we, we talk about it every week because it is a big story. Um, I know Bendis did a big interview talking about... Uh, his departure from Marvel and him coming to DC uh, on the Word Balloon podcast, and I just haven't gotten around to listening to it yet, because uh, it's not like a time-sensitive thing. It's not like I do a comic book podcast where I need that sort of information available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can almost guarantee that's a good listen, and you should sure, certainly check that one out uh, to find out everything, because Bendis is not the type of guy who holds back information. Mm-hmm. Unless he signed a contract that said he can't. Right. Are you getting Action One Thousand for like the the seven ninety nine or whatever it is? Yes. Okay, because I know sometimes you see those seven ninety nine covers or whatever, and you get you get sticker shock. I feel confident that our retailer is going to order enough of those that I don't need to you know make sure that say hey pull one for me. Right. And it's going to have 4,000 different covers anyway. Mm -hmm. And once we know what those covers are, maybe that'll help me make my decision of which way the wind will blow. See, that's like me. Like, with stuff like that, I have to make sure. Like, because a lot of this, like, the the holiday specials and stuff like that are $7.99 books. Right, but they're kind of on the lower end of being ordered on things. Right, so I get you. But I thought, like, it was... With this, that still might scare you off. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I don't know. Nah, I, again, it prior to the Bendis announcement being right on the heels of this, mm-hmm. I was probably going to pass on it. But since it's going to kind of sort of lead right into the mm-hmm. Bendis takeover, I'm there. Okay. So another weird story that came out this week was that Sony Pictures and Wizard are teaming up to develop original IP. Uh, the press release says Wizard attacks, uh, attacks, attracts <laughs> many of the top artists and creators as a showcase of their original work. Under the new deal, Sony Pictures and Wizard will jointly discover top talent optioning their work to incubate and develop these stories into various media. Now, um, I know Sony doesn't have a lot of the big name properties no more. Mm-hmm. I think they could have gone a different way with this. I don't know. I don't know if Wizard would have been on the top of my list of people to get in bed with to produce <laughs> content. Why, Joe? But I am not a movie mogul or studio head. Maybe they know something more than I do. 
Um, you know, there's a lot more IPs out there that kind of already exist, or there's already creators as opposed to a brand. And again, say what you will about Wizard with their conventions and their cruises and everything else that's going on. It doesn't have the same cachet that it did 20 years ago, even that it did three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I personally attempted to, would have done with, wasn't it, uh, isn't it Netflix who lined up, uh, Mark Millar to do like all his stuff? Right. That's, I think, what Sony should have done. They should have gone to a big name independent creator and say, you're doing all of your stuff through us. And we're giving you a sweetheart deal to whatever your projects are. Mm-hmm. As opposed to something like Wizard. See, I don't know. I'm looking forward to the Brutes and Babe movie. Yeah, Bart Sears need, needs work. And Bart Sears does some stuff. He does some uh, Kickstarter stuff. Mm. But uh, I'm really hoping that, like, if you if you had one of those unfinished subscriptions to Wizards years ago... You know, like where you still like, oh, I signed up for twelve more issues, and they, they, you know, they shut the doors. That maybe you can get that money you're owed back in movie tickets for like Brutes and Babe. And oh, there you go. Gonna, you know, it's like, oh, you still owe me for eight issues of uh, Wizard magazine. Well, here's two tickets to like whatever movie we're doing. So <laughs> I could bring I old copies of Inquest magazine when uh, they make a Magic the Gathering movie. All right, or a Toy Fair movie for the next Toy Story movie, mm-hmm. or whatever they're doing, that whatever knockoff that the uh, Wizard's gonna make up. So it'll be interesting to see who Wizard is able to attract uh, with Sony behind them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last bit of news that we're gonna discuss is information about DC changing their social media guidelines for everyone involved in the publishing arm from the top all the way down to freelance folks. And it's a very long uh, uh, press release. Well, not press release. It's a very long internal memo. Uh, The parts that jump out to me on it is that DC expects its employees and freelance talent uh, to maintain a high level of professionalism as well as reasonable and respectful behavior when engaging in online activities, uh, comments that may be considered defamatory, libelous, discriminatory, harassing, hateful, or that incite violence are unacceptable and may even result in civil or criminal action. In addition, comments that may be considered insulting, cruel, rude, crass, and mean-spirited are against company policy and guidelines. We ask and expect that you will help create an online environment that is inclusive, supportive, and safe. There's a lot more to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start this off with a joke, and then we're going to continue discussing it from there. <laughs> I have to preface my jokes these days, Todd. Right. It appears as though Dan Slott will not be working for DC anytime soon. Boom, boom. But in all honesty, when something like this goes out at such a level, that means someone or ones screwed up pretty bad mm-hmm. and ruined it for everyone. I know 
Some of it probably is Ethan Van Scriver. He had some stuff going on with fighting with the fans and then, uh, you know, a whole thing where somebody called him the Nazi word and I don't even know. And he came out swinging and then he shut his Twitter down for a while, like, or like deactivated it, and then he came back and it was all like, oh no, I just went away to, you know, to recharge my batteries and you know, stuff like that gets back. And, you know, big companies are like, we don't need this anymore. I, like I said, I, I, somebody, and it might not just be him and a couple other people, but I, I feel that like DC was always better with this, uh, with their creators. Um, but I don't know. I guess they need to throw it out there now. Right. And the That's... fact that like it could result in legal action. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And, uh, again, the other thing about it, I, I guess, is I think everyone should just kind of know to behave that way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even just go with, like, your Twitter and your Facebook. It's in, like, they're talking about interviews now. How are we going to get interviews for this show, Joe? Well, there's a lot of other folks out there, and as long as they're not doing DC stuff, uh, uh-huh. I think we can still get them on the show. Okay. Because, well, you got to be careful. I mean, it's crazy. I, I look at some of this stuff, and I worry for, for you know, anybody who's working for DC to slip up and say the wrong thing. You have to even ask before you can put out work in progress. And I understand they don't want you to be like, Oh, well, here's a new costume and a whole storyline that's coming up that we haven't mentioned yet. But it makes you, like, wary to promote your own stuff. Well, if you remember um, a few months back when Tom King was posting out stuff and it was teasing for the uh, Swamp Thing book that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. And that led to all this crazy speculation of what book Tom King was going to be doing next. And then it just turned out to be in this Swamp Thing winter special or whatever they call it. But it's not like Tom King went rogue and decided to leak this information. It's like, no, Tom King is probably not a dumb person. He probably checked with whomever his editor was. And then that went up the chain. It's like, hey, can I build some, you know, some talk for this by doing this? And then people like, like, I have a feeling Brian Michael Bendis isn't going to have problems with Twitter. If he says stuff like there, there's your level of, you know, famous that you can get away with a lot more. Hmm. Now, I if would say this like, Bend is typically and I say typically and lately kind of keeps it a less combative on social media. Oh, everybody's keeping it less combative on social media. lately, eh, but Not really. I'm just saying they're trying anyway. A lot of people. Um, Not really. (laughs) A lot of people have opinions. They do have opinions about things and stuff. But I'm saying, okay, let's not put. Let me not put it that way. Let me just say, Brian Michael Bendis might get a lot more leash if you know what I'm saying. Sure. Like then, lowly pencil fill in penciler. You know what I mean? Saying stuff. I mean, like, now, if, you know, like, 
you know, like if Brian Michael Bendis went full on rogue and put the company on blast, maybe he he'd get in trouble. Careful, but like he he might say something and get like you know, like he might say something slightly derogatory and uh, okay, you just like a slap on the hand. But like I said, like a, a fill in penciler who's a no name might say that same thing and not get work again. That's what I'm trying to say. But then conversely, if Brian Michael Bendis says boo on Twitter, that's a headline. If unknown penciler says uh, aliens from outer space are our true overlords, mm-hmm. that might not get as much traction. Right, but you see, it, it all depends on, like I said, what, how derogatory and what you're saying is. And it doesn't just have to be about, like, the company. Like I said, it could be, you know, something like supporting, you know, hate. Like, you know what I mean? So it's all, it's all what you say. And what people will jump on these days is you never know what will catch, even if you're a lesser somebody. If it's, Fire enough to make uh, to to make a good story. It doesn't matter who says it. And then once you have three or four people run with it, there it goes. Touche. You, you know what I mean? That's that's the only way I can put it. It's good to have these rules in place just to be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. I agree. It stinks that it has to happen, but this is the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Right. So, moving along uh, in other things, there's conventions this weekend. Uh, a couple big conventions I uh, want to mention. There is the Long Beach Comic Expo in Long Beach, California, which has a featured guest or guest of honor, however you want to slice it, being Mark Wade. That's a nice. That'd be a fun, good person. You might even heard his name at the beginning of the show. Hi, Mark. We still have that as our opening. We need to get a new opening, by the way, sometime soon, maybe. I'll I'll work on that at the next convention I go to. All right. Uh, Also, uh, while we're out on the West Coast, is the Arizona Eventure Con in Glendale, Arizona, uh, where Kevin Eastman and Brian Pulido of Evil Ernie Lady Death fame... (laughs) Are your uh, big gets? Smiley the psychotic button. Mm-hmm. Todd, I have a question. Related, oh. unrelated. Right. Have you ever read a Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comic book? No, I haven't. Have you? No. I'm aware that it's a thing. Right. I know I don't think... a lot of people that have. I don't think there's a lot of them either. No. No. There's not. Okay. I was just curious if it had ever come across uh, your perusion. I know of it. I've seen them. I've never read one. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm aware it's a thing. Not a Brian Polito or Kevin Eastman book, but it's just something that is in my head. Right. But the biggie this weekend, Todd, is Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. I'm almost certain that's Kansas City, Missouri, because there's two Kansas cities. There are. That's crazy. But you've got the big name comic guests, and you've got the big name media guests, Todd. Mm-hmm. 
for your comic book folks. Colin Bunn, Tom King, Scott Snyder, Brian, or, uh, uh, was it, uh, was it, what's, uh, Capullo's first name? Why am I blanking on it? Greg? Greg Capullo. Ugh, my mind, the way it works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Azzarello and Jill Thompson are going to be there, and Jason Aaron is going to be there. That's a big get, right, all those. Right. Now, that's just on the comic book side, Todd. Let's get into the media side of things. Okay, let's do that. All right. You got Jason Momoa. Hey, Aquaman. He's a man of aqua, that's true. He is a man of aqua. Denny Trejo. I know him. Right. You might know him better as Gypsy's dad on the Flash TV show. Or Machete. Or Machete, most importantly, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Rooker is back out of the convention circuit. Good for him. Right. Uh, John Cusack is out there as well. Oh. And uh, from the world of sports entertainment. Oh, don't push your luck. Lita is going to be there. Oh. Uh, Trish Stratus is going to be there. I know her. Uh, And one of Todd's favorites, Kabuki Sting is going to be there. Oh, Kabuki Sting. And speaking of people who wear face paint, Alice Cooper is also going to be there. Vincent Furnair. Shoot names, brother. Be careful with that. That is. I don't want to be accused of something. Right. But again, that's a stacked convention if I ever saw one. Right. And of course, the links to all of those, if you're in any of those areas, the California, Arizona, Kansas City area, the links to those are going to be in the show notes, as is a link to the soon-to-be-named network over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where anytime any of these shows in our network goes up, you can find it over there, whether it be, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we have the announcement of the next film in the soon-to-be-named movie project thingy, whatever. Uh, profane arguments, of course, fresher in parlance, uh, podvocacy, uh, our new shows, uh, that we have upcoming here. The Everlasting Minute starts next Monday, which is Jason and David of Podvocacy, uh, doing a show dissecting a minute at a time the Gene Wilder classic, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. Now, I will say, as someone who does listen to literally dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts. Okay. I have never listened to one of those minute-by-minute movie podcasts. And it makes me wonder if they actually do it exactly at a minute, or do they wait for a sentence to finish? Well, we're going to find out when Jason and David start Everlasting Minute this upcoming Monday. All right. And, of course, any of the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, some of the shows that have lapsed, some of the shows that are not as regularly unscheduled as others, whenever they do come up and they remind me, uh, I do make sure to put them out. And that reminds me, i got to put Jason's most uh, recent appearance on a transmission podcast up on the site. I had a lot going on today, Todd. Did you really? Nice to know. (laughs) If you count doing uh, PvP and PvE in Marvel Puzzle Quest, I had at least five things going on at once. It sounded like you were reading an eye chart. (laughs) That makes sense to some people, Todd. The people who get it, get it. Everyone else, let's all just move on. It sounds like you're reading an eye chart, man. All right, so there's a bunch of DC sales, or there's a bunch of digital sales going on this week. 
Uh, and I say DC sales, of course, because DC has two sales going on. They have a bunch of Harley Quinn stuff on sale, and they also have Warren Ellis stuff on sale. Uh, obviously focusing on his current run on the the Wild Storm book. Uh, but do not overlook Planetary, which is one of those classic runs of a comic book that everyone talks about. And also another classic run of a comic book, Transmetropolitan. That's a good book. That's a good comic book if you never read it. Now, I haven't read it in quite some time, and I wonder how in today's political climate, something, something, Burt Ward. Yep. Uh, also, Dark, or no, da, 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 IDW is having a Valentine's Day sale, where a lot of it is reprints of old EC Comics weird love stories. Image is having a fantasy sale. Uh, which most notably includes I Hate Fairyland, which is a great fun book, uh, especially if you're a big fan of Scotty Young like myself, and also the uh, Nicola Scott Greg Rucka Black Magic book is included in that sale. Mm -hmm. uh, Dark Horse is having a heroin sale, which is a lot of their uh, female-led books. My recommendation uh, would be the book Lady Killer. Uh, which has two volumes, ten issues altogether, uh, written with art by Joelle Jones. And you might be thinking to yourself, you don't know who that is, but if you were to see Joelle Jones's art, you're like, I know exactly who that is. And I highly recommend that book. Uh, Archie is having a sale, a Valentine's Day sale, and it's no different than any other Archie sale. A lot of the older stuff, all of the new stuff, most notably uh, the Mark Wade penned Archie book that is really, really good. And uh, Marvel, for some reason, is having a month-long sale on Black Panther comics. I could only imagine why. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in there, and it's a good, big sale. Uh, they've got, ent like, entire story arcs from Fantastic Four. Um, you know, pretty much anything that said Black Panther on the cover is included <laughs> in this, both in single issue uh, and in trade, of course. I highly recommend, uh, from this sale, they have the entire run of the Christopher Priest run mm -hmm. of uh, Black Panther, and you can get the entire run for $36, which appears to be a lot of comics. I don't know exactly how many actual... Oh, it's... um. It is over 70 comics for $36. That is a deal. I wonder if it has that, Was what was it, the Deadpool Black Panther one? Um, ooh, I don't, you know what, I, let me see if I, yes, the Deadpool issue is in the collection. That was a hot book, man. That was a hot book at the time, man. And that's the thing I like about this, with the entire, now they don't have it with the single issues, but if you get like the trade versions of it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, here's a random issue that crossed over with the Hulk, and here's a random issue that crossed over with Thor, and here's material for Marvel Double Shot number two that we're <laughs> including in this, you know? Wow, yeah. So I give DC grief about the way they do their sales a lot of times, the way they do their trades, uh, but this, just looking, just perusing this Black Panther one, magnifique. That's right. You are getting a legitimate, complete run of a book. That's right. You give DC grief 
over their, you know, trades, but you give them praise over their giant crossovers, so. Right, their giant company-wide crossovers that mean everything and have mm-hmm. everlasting effects that are felt for decades to come. That's right. Don't make me do my joke about uh, the giant crossover. All right. Don't do your joke. I won't. Not this week. I'll wait till next. Every other week. Okay. So, moving along to books that we read from this past week, let's start off with a book that we are both most looking forward to coming out. A book that when I found out that was only going to be eight issues made me sad. Me too. And that's Rock Candy Mountain number eight by Kyle Starks, who did the art and wrote it. And I don't have the name of the uh, inker or the colorist here. And for that, I apologize. Uh, But this is the end of Jackson's arc. His story ends here. He has been waiting to get to Rock Candy Mountain to be reunited with his family. And along the way, he has to fight the devil and all the other characters, everyone else that he's touched along the way over the past seven issues all make appearances in this issue. Mm-hmm. What did you think, I guess, of this issue? What did you think of the resolution? What did you think overall of the series? I really enjoyed This is one of those little series I loved all the way through. Um, I will say it was weird. I feel like this issue was very quick for the last issue because, you know, it just wrapped up the, the riot with the, the hobo mafia and everything really quick. And we go on to the other stories. So it, it just feel like I was like, wow, this felt like a fast read, but a, uh, a satisfactory read for the story. I, I as an ending. I really liked it. I do believe he could take it some places with the side characters that they have, you know, like goals to go do something if they wanted to. But like I, you know, Jackson's story is for all intents and purposes, you know, like I I would say over. Um, I I really enjoyed what he did. There was a couple of swerves in there. I was like, is he really going to kind of sort of end it this way with this over here? And then he goes another way. Um, like I said, just all in all, I think it was really well done. And anytime you get to say the line, you know, like you're crazy, like you you went after the devil. Hey, any anytime you get to punch the devil, you take it. And I was like, that's just great. It was it was a it it was a fun little read that I'm glad I got the chance to uh, do. And someday I still have to get a Jackson uh, Kyle Starks uh, sketch someday. I'm, I'm that's one of the things that I want to get. But I loved it. What did you think? I loved it, too. Um, but, again, I am a little biased. Uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kyle and a lot of the work that he's done. I've contributed to Kickstarters, Patreons, whatever he's done in the past. Uh, regarding this, like I said, I've always been a fan of his art style. Uh, and, again, I think he has and has found a real knack for his dialogue uh, in this book. Uh, he has kind of worked this dialogue style out over past series that he's done, some of which I need to let you actually borrow, To I think you would get a kick out of it. If you enjoyed this, uh, you would enjoy some of the other stuff that he's done, like Kill 'Em All and things of that nature. Right. Uh, but again, I'm I think sure. a lot of the dialogue, the look, the feel of this book is really what makes this book special, I say. Um, you know, obviously it's not a superhero book, but there's mystical elements and there's all sorts of other things in here. Um, that I think people would truly enjoy. And 
I do want to say while he does wrap up Jackson's story, um, the other characters are kind of left open-ended. Right. Where if he wanted to tell more stories with everyone else, he can. Yep, that's what I was saying, yeah. And uh, I certainly hope he gets a chance to, because these are characters that we either got to see a little bit of, or just enough of, or characters that we got to see go on kind of redemption stories. Mm-hmm. And kind of grow over the course of eight issues. Right. I mean, we had Rock Candy Mountain, the eight issues, with the, the way they could do it. I would love to see, like, you know, I can't think of what the guy's name was. What's the... The, uh, his his partner, who was the actor. Um, I can't think of... I was just looking had, it up. I couldn't find his name in the thing. I know. It, it, he was calling him Stretch for a while or something. He was I calling him Stretch. See, he was calling him Slim. See, slim, that was it. Right. Slim. But you have Slim, and you have, like, the, 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 the guy with the one arm, Sis, and everything like that. I would love to see Slim and the hobo archaeologists... Because they have the ability to like go look for things that are mentioned in the, in the in the book and everything, and I'm like, I would read that book by Kyle. I would totally read that book. So I hope he does more with some of these characters. Right now, I, again, I don't know what he has upcoming, but I do know that he is still doing the Rick and Morty book uh, over at uh, Oni Press, and I'm sure. Uh, again, I'm not counting anybody's money. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that he's doing all right if he's doing the Rick and Morty book. I'm out of touch with your today's popular culture, mm-hmm. but I understand Rick and Morty is a thing. I hear he's getting paid in Szechuan sauce. Oh, boy. You're more in touch than I am, Todd. That Joe, that people will get that. I mean, I, I slightly know. I know two things about Rick and Morty. One is Szechuan sauce, and the other is Pickle Rick. Those are the only phrases that I know. And now, that's I'm, it. A, I'm aware that Pickle Rick is a thing. But I, don't I don't know, know the context of it. Mm-hmm. I The one thing that I actually do know from Rick and Morty is Scary Terry. Oh, okay. Are you aware of Scary Terry? No, I am not aware of Scary Terry. Scary Terry is that world's Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. But if, you th- if you've ever seen any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films... Mm-hmm. Where as the movies have gone on, the, that Freddy became less scary and more comical. As I said, he becomes a stand-up comic as the movies go on. Right. This is kind of more along that same lines. It's like, what if Freddy Krueger was more ridiculous? Right. But also had a wife and kids at home that also had his same ailment of a horribly scarred face and razor blades for fingers. Oh, well, that's it runs in the family. Right. Uh, so definitely check out Rock Candy Mountain. I know it's being collected as two trades. Um, but again, that's a book that I think if you check Kyle Starks out on Twitter, he's always offering deals where you could buy the books, either trades or single issues directly from him. Um, and he always throws like a signature or a sketch or something in with them. Mm hmm. Uh, so moving on, we mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show, which was Swamp Thing Winter Special number one. Uh, written by Tom King with art by Jason Fabic. Fabuk? I'd say Fabic, but. With a backup story, uh, second feature, as I still call them. <laughs> you don't want to get Diddy mad. No, that's second right. Listen, features. he stopped calling them second features, but I still listen to them. 
Okay. He gave up. I never did. That's right. You'll carry that torch. That's right. Written by Len Wein and uh, art by Kelly Jones, which is ending up being the last thing that uh, Len Wein ever wrote. Or at least the last Swamp Thing story. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't this supposed to be um, Len Wein's pitch to do an ongoing? It was It was an ongoing, or at least a mini, but probably an ongoing, from what I remember. Right. So, um, the main story is Swamp Thing is attempting to prevent a small child from dying during a giant blizzard. And the whole time, they are on the run from a monster. The snow monster. The snow monster. And because there's so much snow and Swamp Thing's connection to the green is being severely hampered. He His strength is weakening. He's not able to remember things. But he keeps fighting. Mm-hmm. I really liked this story. Okay. How's by you? I really like this story. I don't think I completely got what he was going for at times like with the the whole bookend with the the quarterback and the football game and i I, like some of the messages he was getting but but i did kind of see where the book was going with you know fighting the monster because there was too many clues with that but i don't think this is tom king's best story that i've read but it's still really good. It's like, you know, you know, the old analogy that we do is like Tom King, like, you know, Mr. Miracle, you know, uh, Batman, like other stuff. They're all home runs. This to me is his like triple. Right. Like, like we say, but where I'll, I'll take all that away. Like, you know, like Tom King kind of stumble step, but still really good. Take all that away because Jason Fabok's art in this is ridiculously good. Um, and the whole thing is where they're trying to equate time and, you know, Swamp Thing's in the winter and he's going from this rich, vibrant, like, you know, the green Swamp Thing creature and he becomes emaciated as the book goes on and just Fabok, as far as I'm concerned, there's Bernie Wrightson, there's John Tottleman and Fabok are the three greatest Swamp Thing artists I've ever seen. I just love the, the look of this, the coloring on it. Um, being, being an art guy, I was like, oh my God, he crushed Swamp Thing in this. Who was the artist on Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing? Um, Saez? No, I think, wasn't it maybe Ariel Olivetti, maybe? Was it Aaron Lepresti? Aaron Lepresti. Aaron Lepresti's good. Aaron Lepresti's real good, too. Um, right. Again, Fabok's work of absence of color and all that sort of thing, I think, really worked in this. Uh, mm-hmm. He did a lot of Justice League and Detective Comics stuff during the New 52. He only did the annual of Justice League International. Well, no, International, but the main Justice League book he was doing a bunch of stuff on. Oh, was he doing a bunch of stuff? I dropped the main Justice League book after a while. The interweb says that he did issues 36 to 50. Wow. Yes. By that time, I was long gone. <laughs> uh, but he did Detective Comics, what, 13 to 20-something? 
in there. The guy's a star, man, a rock star. Right. He, his name should he should be bigger than he is right now. Right, but he could be one of those guys where it's just he can't do a monthly book. True. Or he has other work. Um, you know, we don't talk about it so much anymore. But remember when it used to be a thing? It's like, yeah, man, I'd love to be doing this monthly comic book, but like working for this ad company doing magazine stuff is really yeah. like what pays the bills. Advertisement, or like we always talked about, uh, Diodato or uh, Jose Garcia uh, uh, Lopez doing the the uh, the advertisement stuff. It's like, oh, this is going to be on toy boxes and t-shirts and stuff like that. There's more money there, man. You know, like, so yeah, like there was a time where comic artists definitely needed a side gig. Um, I mean, now if you're a rock star, you can, you can make that money, but I, yeah, uh, God only knows what else he's doing. Right. So, uh, but what he did here was great. And I agree with you, the bookend stuff, with the radio broadcast wasn't really hitting me. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it ties into something and someone much smarter than you or I. Right. Uh, probably get the connection much better than you or I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so last but not least, of course, to discuss would be Batman number 40, the wrap up of the super friends storyline, which had a little bit of a break in it. Um, so it's real funny because it's issue 40, right? Mm -hmm. And the write-up on DC's website is like, blah, 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 a bunch of stuff. The conclusion of the Batman team-up with Wonder Woman. No, this story was previously slated to run in issue 40. Wow, I'm glad they, they specified that. <laughs> I'd be uh, totally confused if the issue I thought was going to be in 40 wasn't, you know, was, was in 40. That's, that's crazy talk. Written by Tom King again with art by the aforementioned Joel Jones, who I mentioned did Lady Killer, uh, for Dark Horse. So if you enjoyed Jones's art here, uh, in the Batman book, the stuff that she does as both a writer and an artist on Lady Killer are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, we had touched on this when the first part of the story came out. When it was, you know, kind of a takeoff of an old action comic story where Batman and Wonder Woman are taking the place of a guy who is fighting a never-ending battle uh, to give him time to come and see his wife. Uh, Catwoman is accompanying him, and it's giving Catwoman time to kind of reevaluate in her mind what a marriage actually is, while it's giving Wonder Woman and Batman time to figure out exactly what their relationship is. Mm -hmm. All the while, while fighting forever. And you buried the lead. No, I saved the lead for you. Because I know I we did not rehearse this part of the show as we rehearsed the rest of the show and the heavily scripted portions of the event. Turn page. <laughs> right. You're going to mention the kangaroo, aren't you? Jumpa. When I saw that she was like, he's like, I miss, I miss my dog. She's like, what? Like, I miss he's like, my no, he's family. like, ah, oh, I miss Catwoman. I miss the boys, but I really miss my dog. I, miss my dog. I know what you mean. I miss my yeah, kangaroo. You know? like, and then there's like a, pan then there's like two panels of silence. Right. <laughs> like his name is Jumpa. I was like that. And I remember Jumpa, the kangaroo. 
Because I was a big, I think they even made a plush of Jumpa the kangaroo. Like they did the streaky and they did the, 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 the deck star and they did like the bat cow and ace and crypto. And I think like they were like, Oh, get Jumpa out there. The kids, the kids are clamoring for Jumpa. And Tom King was like, I'm going to make Jumpa a thing again. And I'm like, I would read a Tom King Wonder Woman Jumpa book. Have I said Jumpa enough, Joe? No, you have not. I have to look for it. But a couple of years ago, uh, DC did like a kids book, but like not, not like a kids kids book. But it was um, I forget who the writer on it, but it was all Art Balthazar designs, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just the world of the DC Super Pets, and everybody had a pet. Of course, you know, you've got, you know, Ace Bat Hound, Superman's got like six pets, Jumpa was in there, but it was like, oh, Sinestro has a pet monkey, and Solomon Grundy has a goldfish, and like things like that. I would read the the further tales of Solomon Grundy's goldfish. It wasn't a goldfish, but you get what I'm saying. It was like, if you were a DC comic book character, you were going to have a themed pet, and it's going to be in this book. (laughs) And they all had backstories, and they all had, like, the secret files page in the back of the book. Solomon Grundy is a swamp toad. A something. Uh, Again, the book's... The book is not in my immediate vicinity, so... Right. And I think all those plushes that I mentioned were based on uh, Balthazar... Right. Right. Like, uh, designs and stuff like that. So, that maybe that's where they actually came from, now that I think about it. Jumpa. (laughs) Fantastic. So, right. So right, like just going, you know. Of course, you know you're. They've got Ace. They've got Beppo. <laughs> Beppo. Uh, they've included Big in there. Who? B apostrophe D G. The chipmunk. The chipmunk. Yes. The Green Lantern. He's not a pet. He's a sentient being. Okay. His his it was it like you know, and they have their little write ups, right? You know, Ace is Batman, Beppo is Superman, and is owner. It says, no one owns me. That's right. I remember, he's the replacement of Chip. Do you remember right. Chip? Yes. Do you remember what happened to Chip? Um, Didn't he hit the wind? He got run over by a car or something? He got run over by a truck in Green Lantern Mosaic, mm-hmm. which was a book about a crazy, like the last crazy guardian of the time. Because every few years there's a last crazy guardian. Um, and he pulled all these cities that he went to when he was, when he was like younger and brought them to Oa and they were all there and they were living and Chip was helping guarding one of them and he ran out in front of a truck. I, I don't know. It was crazy stuff. I miss Chip. I do miss Chip. So, uh, and you know, it has like, oh, owner, superpowers, and then it has all of their favorite food, right? Right. <laughs> what it's... is favorite food? Nuts. Chips and salsa, and chips is C-H apostrophe P-S. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Jumpa's favorite food is jumping beans. Oh, wow. Good for Jumpa. They have Storm's pet 
a, a seahorse storm. Wait, storm? It, this is what it says here, Todd. This is official no, DC canon now. Whose pet? Aquaman's pet. You didn't say that. You said you said Storm's pet Storm. I was like, what, what, who? All right. And then what's it? Do you know who what's it is? What's it's a turtle. Whose turtle, Todd? What's it was the Flash's turtle. The Flash's turtle, yes, sir. Well, what's it was a <laughs> like a. Well, come on, man. He was in Kathy Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew for a little bit. All right. He was he was like the like in the world of uh uh Fastback, who was the turtle. He was the World War Two character who had powers or whatever. So I don't like I don't think he was ever Flash's turtle, but he was dressed like the Golden Age Flash, he had the helmet and everything. Fantastic. The, what's it? So Cheetah has a pet cheetah named Chauncey. Chauncey the Cheetah. Right. Uh Lex Luthor has an evil cat named Roz, R O Z Z. Uh Is it a hairless cat? Uh, it's, it's a, you know, from the art design, it's purple, so I don't know. It should be one of those hairless cats, don't you think? Yes. Okay. Uh, then there's the Fanty Cats from the Phantom Zone. Oh, no, not Fanty Cat. Fanty Cats. <laughs> uh, there's also a Bizarro Crypto, uh, Sinestro Core Insects. Uh, let me see, who else? Well, uh, do you remember there was an insect? That was the Sinestro Corps insect. They killed Kyle Rayner's mom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, look at me deep diving on this. Uh, Bat Cow's uh, Mad Hatter has a cat. Oh. What's the Mad Hatter's cat's name? Uh, uh, Lids. I don't know what. Mad Catter. Oh, Mad Cat. That's fantastic. Right, right. Um, Robin has a Robin named Robin. Wait, Robin has a Robin named Robin? Yes. Oh, that's deep. Uh, the Adam has a dog named Spot. Okay. Yes. I figured he would have a miniature collie. (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, Plastic Man has a frog. I don't know what the frog's name is. Wait, didn't we discover that he had a parrot in the the, the Super Sons? Right. Well, that's new continuity. Oh, I don't, this is all confusing. Okay. Right. But this is all out of the DC Super Pets character encyclopedia, which I highly recommend everyone purchase because it's a delight. Now I kind of need one of those. Right. It's really fun. Okay. All right. So that's all the stuff that we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd. Mm-hmm. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out, have enough money in your wallet to be able to pick up your books. As you know... Todd and I are doing two things here in 2018. One is the thing that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am currently in the lead with one correct guess above Todd's. I think I'm going to extend that lead this week. Call it a hunch. Um, 
mostly because, well, okay, we got to, and something else uh, that we got to talk about. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing is keeping a running tally of the money spent on comics uh, this week. And I thought I was going to pull a much further lead, but my lead currently is less than a dollar. Less than a dollar. Some of my books are expensive this week. Well, some of your books are expensive, but is there a book missing from your list? Scratchy, scratchy my head? Why, is there something missing? Hmm. Okay, so looking at your list, I guess I'm not going to pull ahead. I think I'm just going to keep my lead as is. Um, Even though it was supposed to come out last week, Young Monsters in Love is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week. It it is if it counts. It counts, because it's on your list for this week. Right. So that is the book I'm looking forward to most. And I'll get into what my question is after you attempt to guess my book. Is the book you're looking forward to most Captain America 698? No. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 42? No. Is it one of the other books you're getting? It is. (laughs) The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Invincible number 144. Because it's the last issue of Invincible. Yay! It's all been building up to this. Uh, They Mm -hmm. started a big, giant 12-part storyline where they completely revamped the status quo, killed off tons of people, uh, had revelations on stuff that was going all the way back to issue number one. And, you know, this was one of the original Kirkman books that I was reading. This... Even though, you know, there's only issue 144 and I think issue 160 blah, 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 of Walking Dead <laughs> came out last week. Um, the, you know, this is the book that it was, it's like, oh, hey, I like this guy doing whatever these weird books he's doing at Marvel is. Oh, he has a book that's kind of like Superman meets Ultimate Spider-Man. I'll read that. And uh, the book changed quite a bit over the t- over the time that the book was being published. And here we are at the end of its run. Okay. Now, the question I have for you, Todd, because I know we had talked about it when the book was announced many moons ago. You're not getting the Admiral Thrawn comic book? I am not, because I figured this is what you were going to ask about, because I was lo- I was looking at it, and by Luke Ross, somebody that I'm a big fan of. As right. Um, when I found out, I thought this was original stories, but do you know anything about the Thrawn novels at all, Joe? I'm not sure. I do. Okay, right. They were all written by the same guy, you know, uh, Zahn, Timothy Zahn. There was the three original ones that were really good. There was a uh, two-part that came years later that wasn't so great. Then he wrote a book called Th- just Thrawn, which is the origin of the character, like how he was found and became like an alien when the Emperor hated aliens, he, how he became so, you know, he became a Grand Admiral. And this is just the comic version of that book, ah. which I want to, re- I would rather read the book than read the abridged version as a comic, if that makes any sense. It does. Because those three original novels are some of my favorite books of all time that I ever read. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I don't want to read somebody just clipping bits of Timothy Zahn to make a comic when I'd rather just read the book. So I kind of just decided to not get it. And I'm not going to read it later 
after I read the book. So I'm not, it's not like I'm going to buy the individual issues. So that's my reasoning as to why I didn't get the, the, the uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn book. All right. I know my brain is weird sometimes. Nope, makes complete sense. You're good. Okay. I get you. Uh, so, um, still in the lead, called an audible, and I'm still able to stay one step ahead of that pesky Todd Roker. Yes. Uh, so, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff there, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past After Darks, uh, past pull posts, past Todd and Joe have issues, everything that we've ever done on the internet exists over at longboxheroes.com. Also, if you're feeling generous and you want to wear our fancy logo uh, on your chest, or if you want to adorn your favorite tablet the only way possible with a beautiful sticker of our fancy logo, be sure to click that store button. And who knows? Maybe in the near future there might be more items in that store. What? You never know. You never know. Uh, but also, of course, you can click on that uh, Amazon link across the top of the page. Won't cost you anything extra. Gives us a little bit of extra money back. I'm not going to give you the hard push. Saying it's advertising fees, server costs, keep the lights on, whatever it is. It just makes us feel good. Makes Todd feel good at the end of the month when he gets that cha-ching. Yes, it does. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is uh, the movie Moon on Blu-ray. Todd, have you ever seen the movie Moon? That's the one with Cher, where she slaps the guy and yells, snap out of it. No, you're thinking of Moonstruck. Oh, we struck Moon. Right. But uh, go ahead. It's uh, directed by Duncan Jones, son of David Bowie. It's a very minimalistic oh. film. The uh, guy who owns the donuts company? No, stop. Duncan? No. But anyway, go ahead. No, I've never heard of it. All right. I, I, I think you would like it. I think it is on the uh, on one of the streaming services that exist. Oh, cool. Uh, someone also purchased Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban on audiobook. Uh, the only of the Harry Potter movies that are good is Prisoner of Azkaban. We have to ban something. It's an Azkaban. Mm, boy. Uh, someone also purchased a S-Zone vintage waterproof canvas leather trim shockproof camera shoulder messenger bag. I love reading these mouthful uh, item descriptions on Amazon. Someone also purchased, and this is, I'm reading the entire description as is, okay? This is the Little Dove Pet Teepee House Fold-Away Pet Tent Furniture Cat Bed with Cushion 28-inch Beige Pom Pom with or without mat, as you choose. Mm-hmm. Now, could, could if I didn't have a cat and say I had a kangaroo named Jumpa, right. could I put the kangaroo in that? I think you. I think you might need one that's bigger than twenty-eight inches. Oh, you need the the Jumpa kangaroo size one, right? With or without the mat, as you choose. I, you <laughs> that's know what? right. If, if you got a kangaroo, I say go with the mat. It is. That is true. Right. That's me, though. That hey. You know, it matters. Uh, people had also purchased... Now, the person who purchased this, I would like for you to contact us. 
uh, via Twitter, of course, Longbox Heroes, or email, longboxheroes at gmail.com. Uh, they purchased the Angry Mama Microwave Kitchen Cleaner High Temperature Cleaning Equipment. Now, Todd, what this thing is, mm-hmm. are you aware of this, Todd? Have you heard this? Have you seen this in the papers? No, I think it's just an M80. You throw in the microwave to no, clean it. No, it's a little, like, silicone thing that, like, is made to look up like a person with its, like, hands on its hips and mm-hmm. has an angry face on it and has a wig, like a plastic wig. <laughs> and apparently you put this thing in your microwave and it cleans your microwave. Hmm. Now, I have no idea what this thing is up until this point. I I don't know if it's a scam. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So if you're the person who bought this and you're within the sound of my voice, I expect a full review for us to discuss on next week's show. That's right. You know, it has a little wig on it. I hope the wig works because we love wig work on this show. That's right. And it is more realistic fake looking hair than you would expect. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we also had an art attack this week, Todd. We actually had two art attacks. We did have two art attacks. We had, you know, super uh, contributor Euronymous uh, sketch on a board, not a not a backer. That was last week's. Oh, no, wait, that's right. Oops, I jumped, I jumped. I, now, we have a, a gu- guitarist artist, a guitarist, uh, Stephen Archer, did, looks like a painting, of a jellyfish during World War II. That's the only thing I can come up with. All right. But it looks really cool. It's it. I see paratroopers in a plane and a jellyfish. I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was That's, just stylized umbrellas, but again, I'm not an artiste. I, I calls them like I sees them. That's what art is all about. And then we had a DC Mitzelpitalik, uh sent in a Batman... By, oh, it jumped on my page there. I'm looking for the name. Uh, John Herbert. In 93 or 94. I love old art. That yeah. is fantastic. At Nostalgicon in Bangor, Maine. Oh, I had a great time talking to him about comics. Something and something else. I can't read it all. It says, it um, says something and more. And more, yes. So comics, some word I can't see, and more. <laughs> Todd has uh, blinders on. He has an, uh, whatever the reverse of a Google alert is, Todd <laughs> has that for that word and all der- derivations of that word. That's right. I have a hysterical blindness when it comes to that. Face blindness, even. Oh, boy. All right. So thanks, everyone, who contributed. If you're going to one of these cons in your area, if you yourself are a burgeoning artist and you want to share something cool with us that you've done yourself, something that you're working on, show it your process, or maybe you've purchased a cover, a page, a print, or something, uh, just tweet at us with the uh, the handle, 10-4-good-buddy of Todd's Art Attack. <laughs> we'll make sure to share it with the rest of the world and talk about it here on the show. Yay. Uh, so we did get, uh, I did put the call out the other day for uh, us to get some contributions in the mailbag, and we got a lot, and I do thank everyone for contributing, but we're not going to hit them all today, uh, but we promise we will get to uh, them in the near future because we did get a lot of good... Uh, questions. A lot of good questions, yes. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, the Twitter handle 
of Let's Talk M-O-T-U, and that stands for Masters of the Universe. Uh, they mentioned that back in the day, toys would come packed with uh, little mini comic books, later referred to as ash cans. Uh, things like He-Man, Master of the Universe, uh, the She-Ra, etc., etc. And uh, they ask, uh, do we own any of these? What are your favorites? And would there be any ones that are great for reviewing? I'm trying to think. I never really had any Ash cans that way that were, like, more original. If anything I ever had, it just seemed like they were reprints of an issue, like just a random Batman issue. Like, you would get it in a... I think what they're talking about, these were the ones that came packaged with the toys. Right, and I did get them in toys, where, but I would get, like, a Batman figure, and it'd be like, oh, well, here's, you know, Batman, a reprint of Detective, a miniature version of De- De- Detective Comics 27, but I never got anything, like, n- n- a new story that I can remember that that I ever owned. Like, I didn't have Masters of the Universe toys at all. Like, uh-huh. I don't think... I have ever owned one. Now, Star Wars, I had out the wazoo, but they didn't come with miniature, com- like little ash can comics. I vaguely remember there was for a short while. Do you remember? Do you remember KB's toy stores around here? I do. Where they had those Marvel figures that they came in the bigger boxes. And oh they had, yeah, like, it was like Marvel Collector Series, and they would have like a full sized reprint of a random book. It's like, oh, here's. You know, Spider-Man number six, where Spider-Man and Wolverine fight the Wendigo or something. Right, that's what I would have. I don't really remember getting any... So, like, to review them, I would just be reviewing old comics. Uh, but there was, like, nothing like, oh, if you bought this, this is brand new, and you, and it's something completely different. Did you have any? Absolutely, the... I did. Um, okay. Now, some of the ones that they mention here, of course, toys like Sectars... And Dino Riders were maybe a little bit after my time. Uh, but not only did I have, but I also loved uh, the ones that came with the Mask comics and the mm-hmm. ones that came with the uh, Masters of the Universe comics. Now, those were long gone and long ruined, uh, <laughs> you know, from my childhood of those being not kept in a very good way, of course. But uh, the Masters of the Universe one I ver- have very fond memories of. Uh, not only getting all of those comics that came with the figures, but they even had, and again, I know you didn't have uh, Master of the Universe toys, and you lived a deprived life because you did not. Mm-hmm. They had a gimmick where it was this toy, it was like this eagle-looking ship, right? That came with an extra attachment of a perch that you could put on top of Castle Grayskull so that you could balance this this bird thing this bird vehicle on top of Castle Grayskull, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does it is it this vehicle, not only does it come with this extra attachment for your Castle Grayskull, not only does it come with a larger version of the comic book, it also came with a record which tells the story of the comic book. Oh, now comic book records? Yes. Oh, boy. That's the, that's the, 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 the good stuff. That's the only vinyl this guy believes in. <laughs> Uh, now, I do know that Dark Horse recently reprinted all of the Masters of the Universe comic books mm-hmm. in one big giant size collection, and I think it's either already out or it's 
currently like solicited to be out sometime this year where they're doing the same thing with the Shiva comics. Wow. Uh, but the one that I don't recall and wish I I would love to go back and reread these and that's the superpowers ones because those ones allegedly had Jack Kirby art in them. Well, yep, Jack, that was their way of giving Jack Kirby a big check back right, in Right, that was his golden parachute if you will. Mhm. Yes. So, the Master of the Universe ones are A number 1 uh top notch for me. And uh, if you did not know that Dark was put out that collection, but then by all means, I recommend going and checking that out. And I bet you those are fantastic reads, too. Uh, you know what? They were fun for what they were. Um, I know we had talked about it before in the show, that little documentary series um, that's on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us. Mm-hmm. They talk a bunch about uh, the comic books in the... He-Man episode. Okay. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you, Let's Talk M-O-T-U, uh, for those questions. And I think the last bit that we have here is just TV talk, right? Yes. Uh, what is it? Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Right. So let's start with the Flash, since that's the older of the two things. Right. Uh, so, again, I mistakenly spoke at the beginning of the episode saying that this was the mid-season break, uh, but Barry has been found out. He has been put in the special wing of Iron Heights where his powers don't work with the rest of the recent folks that got their powers from the bus, and Barry stages a breakout because they're all going to be sold to Blacksmith. Mm Mm-hmm. There's your A story. Uh, your B story is uh, the comic adventures of huh. Ralph's ears and his in- inability to stay in a different shape after he discovers he could turn into a different shape by impersonating a offensive racial stereotype. Okay. I have two slight problems with this episode. Well, I have one. Okay. Uh, I want to say, fun fun episode, uh, I'm really starting to like the guy who plays Ralph more and more, mm-hmm. um, and of course, you know, it all pays off that Ralph, well, let's just, okay, uh, we gotta talk about the ending of the episode, of course, and we also need to go into your two problems. Mm-hmm. Which I think is one of yours, but anyway. Right. Go ahead. Well, I really enjoyed this. There were some twists and turns in this that I really liked, um, where, once again, we have another... The thinker is doing stuff, and we have another body jump where now he's in... I can't think of the girl's name, but she was the the girl with the lock powers and everything. And there's some of that stuff that, that I really liked, and the way they end up getting Barry out of prison I thought was a genius idea and I literally didn't see that coming because I was too focused on one of my other problems in it but uh the like I said I really enjoyed the episode the one thing that I didn't like though is that Barry gets outed his 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 secret identity gets outed to a bunch of pe- the bunch of the criminals and even like Wolf and the guards um, know that he's a speedster 
and the way they they gloss over it is we're just going to kill everybody. And I always dislike that in comics or comic stories where it's just like, oh, hey, everybody, it's like Flash, you know, he gets out, everybody knows the secret identity, so let's just murder everybody, and that's, there's no, you know, repercussions of, of it. It's just an easy out as far as I'm concerned. But otherwise, you know, other than my one other problem, I really like the story. So what was the one other problem? Um, I'm not sure how elongated man changes skin tone, if you know what I mean. Okay. Um, sure, he could turn into other people, but I'm not really sure how he turned black when he turns into wolf. Right. I was like, we're not going to even men, we're not even going to mention it that he's like, oh, you could turn your, you know, you could mold your body into the thing, but now you're, you're black. I don't. I'm like, and it wasn't even acknowledged. I was like, all right, I'm just going to glance over this and just roll with the rest of this episode. Now, I also want to, well, my my bigger concern there was he was able to perfect Wolf's voice uh, by looking at a picture of him. It's not no. like he was, like, studying tape of him or, you know, mm-hmm. listening to his voice. It was just like, all right, here's a picture of his face. Now you look and sound exactly like him. Well, maybe he met him as a cop back in the day. Maybe. And they just forgot to tell us. Um, so my biggest concern is kind of a little bit of a takeoff on your concern with this mm-hmm. uh, issue. The first concern that you mentioned. Uh, more so them, the big reveal in the third act of them, the, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the people who got cha- got their superpowers in the bus. When, what was it? The, right. The black hole, the vortex, whatever. They're calling them the bus metas. The bus metas get their powers because it takes it takes Wolf stooging off that Barry is the Flash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are three speedsters who have appeared in Central City. Right. One is a lady, one is a black kid, <laughs> and one is this guy who looks and talks while well, he disguises his voice. So That's by process of elimination, only... if this is a piece, person who is a speedster in Central City, it's one of those three people, at least. False. Okay, now wait. False. You're already you're already going in under... What are you saying? Zoom? Zoom. Right. Reverse Flash. Right. Um, rival. Mm-hmm. All so... of these people are dead. Right, but... The, not everybody knows. Not everybody knows Zoom is dead or uh, Reverse Flash is dead. Okay. And and so if there's six speedsters, right? Already, we've already in three years have had six speedsters show up that people notice. There couldn't be a seventh. There's just right. We don't have an abundance of speedsters in in Central City. Mm-hmm. Can't swing a dead streaky without hitting <laughs> a speedster or a dead what's it. Not Jumpa, though. We will not say bad things no. about Jumpa. Um, but I will say, uh, and again, of course, this is, you know, more stuff with uh, the Thinker, DeVoe. Mm-hmm. He yet again jumps bodies. Right. Uh, this time into the body of... I can't think of her name. It's it's Double Down, right? 
No, Double Down was the guy who had the card skin. Right, right. His skin would, her name is like, oh God. And I know it because I love the cut. She had the, the, the blackjack dealer costume is her actual costume in comics. Right. The luck. She had the luck powers. Right. Luck be a lady tonight. Um, I don't know her, you know, I don't know her gimmick name, but it's, uh, the actress's, well, her name's Hazard. Oh, Hazard. Okay, so her name's Becky in the show. I think she gave a very good performance as an actor in this episode. I really thought she was good. Yes. Yes. Uh, And then, of course, DeVoe jumps into her body um, and takes that over. Now, the second body that DeVoe has jumped into, DeVoe's wife is starting to kind of not continue to be on board with DeVoe's plan because it seems as though the more and more he jumps, the more and more they're going away and being more reckless. Right, he's becoming something different, more evil. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, they have another retrial. Dibney shows up as the original DeVoe. Which is fantastic. Right, which is a great scene out of nowhere. Uh, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then, obviously, it's like, well, if the guy that Barry killed is right here in the courtroom, mm-hmm. we gotta let him go. And I'm like, oh, that was a kind of cheap way to get him out, but I applaud you, comic book TV show, for doing a comic book thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, of course, as uh, Becky Hazard or whatever, the new DeVoe, becomes more and more evil, he even goes as far as to drug his wife uh, to continue to keep her on board with whatever his evil plans are. And that's the thing, like you said, about her as an actress. She did the meek, you know, like, hazard girl, Becky, and she's changing. And then she has her moment of, like, helping out Barry. She stands up to them. And then she's actually, like, when DeVoe jumped body into the into the, the, the other guy, where I said I don't think he had the, the chutzpah to be evil as the original DeVoe. Like, when she has that look on her face when she's hugging her wife, and she is that, like, she's like, oh, all smiles, and then as soon as they hug, she, like, the face turns. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, you, I believe you're evil and mean and everything. She She just nailed all aspects of it. So, yes, I enjoyed the ending, too. Right, so again, not a great episode, but still, at its core, a good episode of the show. Fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Now, Legend of Tomorrow is back uh, with the episode title, Daddy the Darkest. I don't know what mm-hmm. that means. Damien uh, Dark. Right, but I hate the spelling of his name with the H in there. Hate it. What? Now you're going to say Smoak, too, while you're at it. Right. No, she doesn't make an appearance in this, even though they say previously on Legend of Tomorrow and Arrow. Mm-hmm. Because that's where uh, we're reminded, of course, because um, Legend of Tomorrow has been off for a little bit, where uh, Constantine shows up at the end of the last episode that airs, comes to um, Sarah and says, hey, I brought you back to life. I got the demon out of you. Now you need to help me. This girl who's possessed by a demon said your name. So I need your assistance in taking this down. Now, that's your A plot. They end up going into the past. They have to send a message back to bring them back um, to the present day. Uh, The little possessed girl, uh, who is it? Uh, Palmer and 
Vixen. No, 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 because Vixen is doing the whole thing with the granddaughter. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's Isis, B, I'm that's sorry. That's the B story. Uh, yeah, uh, Palmer and Isis decide to, like, hey, let's get her out of here. Let's take her out into the real world. I'm sure that won't blow up in our faces. <laughs> and then the B story is all the stuff with Amaya and her, uh, what, what does, uh, <laughs> Heatwave calls her a disparaging term that I would not repeat here. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's Maya and her granddaughter, actually. Right. So I'll be honest with you, that didn't care much for the B story. Um, and the A story, unfortunately, did not fill me with, like, I didn't love this episode. It was just okay. Oh, my God. Go ahead. This is one we we're going to slam heads on. Go ahead. I love this because Con- I love Constantine, the show that he had, was amazing. And this, he just slides, I think his name is Matt Ryan. He yes. just slides right back into Constantine. And it's a, it's amazing. And the little things that they do in this episode are totally what was in the, the TV show. Like, with that creepy feel, like there's the, the Legends of Tomorrow goofiness. You know, like Ray taking and them taking him out, and she, he's kind of like, oh, don't give the little demon girl sugar. But then when she turns and she's got the blood coming out of her mouth and she's slamming her head off the table, yelling like she doesn't feel anything, she's empty. Like that creepiness, like the hell, the the Hellblazer stuff is all in that show, and that's the feel of the show. So it made me miss the Constantine show so so much and i just every time matt ryan came on screen i'm like god i i I miss hellblazer and just bring him onto this show whatever he's doing cancel that and he is now a legend i would love it what i don't okay so i get what you're saying right Mm -hmm. i felt that the stuff with the little girl being possessed Mm -hmm. was way too far to what scary to um, not scary it was like we're gonna like we're gonna amp this up like the first time when constantine is trying to perform the exorcism on her and she's like going crazy and contorting and- right and all that sort of thing because at first when he's walking up to the ho- walking up to the hospital and everything i got like a real exorcist vibe right mm-hmm. old 70s dark gothic horror you know uh reagan saying your mother does stuff <laughs> So socks that smell. Right. She sews socks that smell. Um, and I was going to think that we were going to get that, but being more of a horror movie guy, they, they play more with the, um, we're going to really weirdly contort it. We're really going to turn the eyes. And the first time they did it, I'm like, oh boy, this is shocking. By the sixth time that they did it, I'm just like, oh, okay, here we go again. This time she's oh. doing it in public. It just became a little overused for me. It lost the specialness of it. It doesn't matter because Matt Ryan was Hellblazer. Right. That's all that matters. All right. He's perfect, though. Come on. Again, just an okay episode. Not a great episode, just okay. Oh, at least there was no bad wig work. No. Well, the little girl, I think that her hair was suspect. That was all real hair. That was all natural. Pure West. <laughs> That's right. No form-fitting latex there. 
Uh, but again, you know, it's not like I, I thought the rest of the performances were good. I thought Dominic Purcell as Heatwave was good, trying to watch his football's game. <laughs> that was my, as a football fan, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just, I haven't watched a live game. Get out. <laughs> now, was it me, or did Ray Palmer's hair look a little bit more salt and pepper in this to you? It did. I noticed that, too. I was like... It was like wig work, not so much dye work, a little off. Right, right. Maybe spend a little bit more time in the makeup chair getting those uh, highlights. Or maybe he's going for a Dan Fielding sort of thing, you know? And... Or or they're hinting at something. I'm wondering if, because that, that stood out at me. I'm wondering if, I don't know, like they're going to say something's going on with this demon. It's aging them or draining them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do think that's something we're supposed to notice, because that was blatant. Right. So we'll see as the time goes on. And if I'm right, I want a cookie. I'll, I'll bring you that cookie. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's TV. We'll have TV next week as well as Black Panther to discuss. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? And this is related, unrelated. Did the movie theater in downtown Scranton close? Yes. No. Yes, and no. well, they're looking for new management because whatever they're part of, it wasn't working out. I don't. I don't really know. But okay. Hope so. So it's not open. It is not open. Okay. Why were you thinking of going there? No, I, I know that that was like your place to go. Because it was a good. It was a good deal. Six dollar movies. Mm-hmm. It was right there by the shop. We'd meet up, you know what I mean? Walk over or drive over if it was really cold. Drive over even though it's a couple of blocks because there was zero degree nights. We were going to see movies. Right. But, yeah, it was nice. But now it's uh, the, the uh, by your super secret science job. Right. So. That's the place to go. Yep. I was trying to think. So we have a Legends of Tomorrow next week, and there was something I was going to ask. Oh, no Flash I, next week, so just Legend of Tomorrow and Black Panther. Yes, yes. Right. So I think that's everything? Yeah, I think so. So uh, for Todd, this is Joe, closing out episode 385 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs> <laughs>